Today's scripture is found today in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 29. If you'll please stand as I read. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words may the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Sojourn. Can y'all hear me? Is my mic on? Good to go. I was thinking as I was walking back there um, about a text that I just preached last Sunday. Um, and in that text, it has these words, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God and the woman of God may be equipped um, for every good work, may be competent or complete and equipped for every good work. And a lot of times when we, you know, read passages like that, we could just skip over words like all scripture is breathed out by God, inspired by God, that what we have in front of us, what I have in front of me, are the very breathed out words of God and that he speaks to his people. And I just want to share that just before going any further because my prayer is that as we hear God's word, that we would have a reverence knowing that he speaks to us. The creator of the universe talks to us. So I know Pastor Justin just prayed for me, but I just want to pray one more time and just ask that the Lord would give us a single focus upon his word. So let me pray. Father, we know that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword 
piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning in Christ, that you would give them a single focus. Would you help everyone, Father, to reflect upon your word in such a way to where they're able to focus on what it is that you want to say to us today? Um, Father, I pray that the spotlight would shine upon Jesus I pray, Father, that the affections of our heart would be stirred more for Christ this morning. I pray, Father, for those who don't know you who are here, that you would draw them by the power of your spirit and open the eyes of their heart to see Jesus as Savior and Lord and that you would give them grace to surrender their lives wholeheartedly to you, to repent and to trust in Jesus Christ. Oh, God, would you please pour out your spirit? Father, I yield to you. Lord, I am nothing. I have nothing that I can bring in my own strength and might. You must work by your grace and by your spirit. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, would you please help us? to worship you in reverence and awe. And would you do that by your spirit through the preached word this morning? I pray this in the name of your mighty, matchless, magnificent son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, For those of you who are note takers, I'm just going to give you my outline from the very beginning. Um, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 29. And in verses 18 through 21, we're going to look at Mount Sinai, a mountain of judgment. In verses 22 through 24, we're going to look at Mount Zion, a mountain of grace. And in verses 25 through 29, we're going to see a warning and an exhortation. So again, verses 18 through 21, Mount Sinai, a mountain of judgment. Verses 22 through 24, Mount Zion, a mountain of grace. And verses 25 through 29, a warning and an exhortation. We're going to see a warning and an exhortation. Many of you in here are familiar with Mount Everest. I remember the first time I had a chance to see pictures of Mount Everest. I was blown away um, by seeing how big it was. Um, And as I did research and studied on Mount Everest, I found out that it was over 29,000 feet tall. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. And, you know, there's been some argument. saying that Mount Everest is not necessarily the tallest mountain. Um, People have said that it's the tallest mountain above sea level, but there's been others who have said that there's actually a mountain that's taller. I think it's in Hawaii. Um, But it's just amazing when you think of these powerful structures 
that have been created and these structures, these mountains that have been created by God. And it causes you to look upon these mountains and just stand in awe. But there came a time when I learned of another mountain that left me in awe even more so than Mount Everest. And this mountain is Mount Sinai. And it wasn't that I was in awe of the mountain itself, but I was in awe of the God who hovered over the mountain and met with Moses as Moses wrote down the Ten Commandments. If you turn with me, if you want to, to Exodus 19, 16 through 20, we get a glimpse of what happened on Mount Sinai. We get a glimpse of this awe, this, this amazement that we see, this amazing thing that is happening on the mountain that should leave us in awe, that should leave us amazed. Exodus 19, verses 16, 16 through 20 reads, On the mountain of the third day there was thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln or furnace. And the whole mountain trembled greatly. The whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. So here it is. You got Moses on this mountain and on this mountain, you're seeing lightning and you're hearing thunder. The people who are at the foot of the mountain are seeing lightning and hearing thunder. And there's so much smoke that it's covering the mountain. And then God comes down and you see this fireball on this mountain. You could only imagine what this looked like. And then when God spoke to Moses, every word that came out of his mouth, it was like thunder. We, we have heard thunder many of times. Can you imagine every single time God spoke to Moses, you heard thunder. I mean, this was a terrifying sight to see. This was horrific for so many. So when we now look at verse 18, the writer of Hebrews he expects the hearers, the believers that he's talking to, to be familiar with Mount Sinai and to be familiar with what happened in Exodus. And the writer of Hebrews starts by telling these Jewish believers 
For you have not come to what may be touched. What may be touched, meaning a physical mountain, a blazing fire, darkness and gloom, a tempest, meaning a violent, windy storm. No, you have not come to that. You have not come to that mountain like the Israelites did when they came to Mount Sinai. He says, no, that's not the mountain that you have come to. And he goes on to say, in the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. He's like, you haven't come to that mountain. I mean, this was a mountain that when God spoke, you had people who closed their ears and they begged, God, please stop talking. Please stop talking. It's just too much. Just your voice alone is too much for us. Please stop talking. I mean, when you talk about the holiness of God, it is staggering. And I think a lot of us in the 21st century, we don't view God being holy like this. We don't view him being a God that is this righteous, this pure, this set apart, this terrifying. And we would do well to study the holiness of God so that we can have a proper reverence, a proper awe, and as the Bible says, a proper fear, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But he says to these Jewish believers, you, you haven't come to this type of mountain where God spoke and people were begging. People were begging for God just to stop speaking because they were so terrified. Verse 20 says, for they could not endure the order that was given to them. Another translation says they staggered back under God's command. As they listened to God's command, they, they staggered back. They just, they just could not believe how serious God was. To where it goes on to say that even if a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. So not only if, if the people touched the mountain, they would die, but even if a beast wandered up close to the mountain, maybe rubbed against the mountain, then the beast should even die and be stoned because God is so holy that these people, they could not come close to the mountain, couldn't touch the mountain, had to be away from the mountain. And if they touched the mountain, they would die, even a beast because God is so holy, so righteous. Verse 21 says, Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. This is the man of God, Moses, who spoke with God face to face. This is chosen, a, a chosen vessel that was um, chosen to lead God's people. And here it is, Moses. Moses is terrified. He's trembling. The Bible says he trembled with fear. Moses, who spoke with God face to face. And it just shows that the man of God ought to tremble as well. It's one thing for the people to tremble. 
But the man of God must also tremble at this holy and righteous God. As I was listening to last week's message, I loved how Pastor Justin pointed out how he needs to be held accountable just as much as the members do. I love how he pointed out how the members need to point him to Jesus just as much as he points the members to Jesus. I love how he pointed out that he needs to strive for holiness just like anyone else because the man of God ought to have a reverence for the Lord just as the people that he's preaching to. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we see in verses 22 through 24, Mount Zion, or Mount Zion, I'm sorry, Mount Zion, a mountain of grace. And I love this because in verse 22, you're now seeing a contrast. This is a contrast going on. So he says to the, the Jewish believers, that terrifying mountain, that's not what you've come to. But you've actually come to a mountain of grace. And he points out the contrast in verse 22. He says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to a city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable or countless angels and festal or joyful gathering. He's like, you're not living according to the law. But now that you are in Christ, you are now under the new covenant. Live like that. As you strive for holiness, live Knowing that you are a new creation. The law can't save. The law was never able to save. The law was created in such a way to where human beings would fail every single time. Because God is perfect and demands perfection. And as human beings, we cannot give him perfection on our own, in our own might. We need a perfection that can only come from someone who is perfect. And that perfect person is Jesus Christ. So he says, you haven't come. You haven't come to this mountain that was a mountain of judgment, but you've come to a mountain of grace. And that grace is found in Jesus. That grace is found in Christ. The one who fulfilled the law. The one who didn't minimize the law in any way whatsoever. But he fulfilled it. He said, I have not come to do away with the law, but I've come to fulfill it. He fulfilled every single dot, every single iota. He fulfilled it. So he says, you've come to Mount Zion. And I love this. A heavenly Jerusalem with countless angels. I mean, this is kind of like the already not yet type of thing going on. Where because those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, because we are born again believers, the reality is that we have a promise that has been given to us that we will be his for all eternity. That heaven is ours. That our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's a beautiful thing. And he's like, man, there's coming a day when we're going to worship with angels. I mean, just think of this. 
Just think of this. This is absolutely crazy if you think about it. When we were holding our hands up and worshiping, we were entering into worship that was already going on. There were angels, powerful creatures, cherubim, seraphim, who were worshiping God before we even put our hands up to worship him. While we were sleeping, angels were worshiping God and constantly saying, holy, holy, holy. So when we came this morning to worship, we were just entering into a choir that was already going on before we arrived here. And when we get to heaven, we're going to worship with powerful creatures. This is saying that we're going to worship with angels joyfully in a gathering. Praise the Lord. Verse 23. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled, meaning whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I believe this is referring to the cloud of witnesses, people who had trusted in Jesus, um, the firstborn whose names are enrolled, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven and to the God, the judge of all. Now, before going any further, I don't want us to skip over the God, the judge of all. The Bible says this, it is appointed for man to die. It's appointed for man and woman to die. And then after this comes the judgment. There's coming a day when every single person is going to be judged. No ifs, ands, or buts. Rich or poor, tall short child man woman we're all going to stand in front of God this holy God that we just got finished reading about we're going to stand in front of him and we're going to be judged and we're going to have to give an account for our lives we're going to have to give an account for what we have said what we have done we're going to have to give an account for our lives And if you are found outside of Christ, it's going to be the most terrifying thing that you will ever experience. But for those who are found in Jesus, when we stand in front of God and have to give an account for our lives, we can rest on the fact that because of Christ, we are blameless. And he will say, enter in, enter in, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the rest of your master. But there's coming a day when we will be judged, and that's why we can't take the scriptures lightly, God lightly, the preaching of the word lightly. If you're here today and you have not surrendered your life to Christ, know that God is constantly extending mercy to you because there's coming a day when you will be judged. And if you're not in Jesus, it will be horrific. But if you are in Christ, it'll be the most glorious thing that you will ever experience. Come to Jesus. Come to Christ. The text goes on to say, and, this is verse 23, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. The only reason why we could be made perfect is because of Jesus, who is perfect. For those who have repented and trusted in Christ, we are made perfect. 
We are not righteous in ourselves. The Bible makes it clear that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Our best deeds are as filthy rags. But this perfect righteousness comes from a perfect Savior. And that perfect Savior is Jesus Christ. Verse 24, and Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. I love that word mediator. Jesus Christ is called the mediator. He's fully God and fully man. He's the only one that's able to stand in the gap between sinful creatures and a holy and righteous God. He's the only one that's able to bridge the gap between sinful creatures and a holy and righteous and just God. He's called the mediator. And we must go through Jesus to get to God. There is no other way. He is the only way to God. He is the only mediator to God. And we must go through Jesus in order to approach God. We must go through Jesus in order to be saved. We must trust in him in order to be justified. Only through Jesus. He is the mediator of a new covenant. For those who have trusted in Christ, we are no longer under the law like many were. We are not under the law. We are under grace. As believers, let's live as those who are under grace. Praise Jesus. Because if we were under the law, we would have no chance. Because we can't fulfill the law. The law just shows us that we need a savior. So praise God that we are under a new covenant. And he goes on to say, um, this sprinkled blood that speaks. Now, this is amazing because here's another contrast. In verse 19, notice it talks about a voice. Um, It says a a, a trumpet and a voice where um, the words that, that went forth, the hearers begged for the message to stop, right? So you see that. But then you see a contrast here where it talks about uh, the sprinkled blood that speaks. The sprinkled blood that speaks. A better word than the blood of Abel. Now we know Abel offered up a sacrifice. And it was a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. But this is pointing to a sacrifice that is better and greater than the blood of Abel. This sacrifice is Jesus Christ himself, who the Bible says Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The sacrifices of bloods, of bulls and goats were not sufficient enough to atone for ten, to atone for sin, excuse me, forever. There's only one sacrifice that can atone for sin forever. And that sacrifice is and was Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God. He's given that title, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His blood speaks. And I want to say this morning, what is his blood speaking to you? His blood speaks. His blood speaks saying, I love you. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. His love speaks love. His blood speaks forgiveness. His blood not only speaks love, his blood speaks forgiveness. His blood speaks forgiveness in such a precious way. For this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew 26, 28. His blood speaks redemption. (laughs) His blood speaks redemption. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. His blood speaks justification. His blood speaks justification. We are declared legally righteous because of Christ. His blood speaks justification much more than having now been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. His blood speaks peace with God. His blood speaks peace with God. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. His blood speaks intimacy with God. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of God. Of Christ. Ephesians 2.13. If you would turn with me to Hebrews 4.14 through 16. His blood speaks intimacy. Verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. I love this. I love this. Listen. Let us then with confidence, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. At Mount Sinai, They stayed away. Because of Jesus, we now can come boldly to God's throne of grace. 
We can draw to the holy God of the universe. We can draw near because of the mediator, Jesus Christ. We can draw near to his throne of grace boldly with confidence and receive grace and mercy in our time of need. This is beautiful. This is amazing that we can approach God through Christ with confidence and boldness. He understands our weaknesses. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. He's been tempted in every single way, just like you and I, but he's never sinned. And because he has fulfilled the law perfectly through Christ, we can come to God. I don't care what you have done in this life. I want you to know that Christ is able to forgive you. His blood is sufficient to wash away the most vilest sins. You could be a drug addict, a drunkard, a fornicator. Christ is able to redeem you and wash away your sins. And he can make you righteous and blameless. And put you in a position to where you can approach a holy and righteous God. Maybe you're self-righteous and you've been dependent upon your own righteousness, which is really no righteousness of, at all. Christ can save you, transform you, and make you really righteous to where you can approach God and have a relationship with him. In the last couple of verses, we see a warning and we see an exhortation. In verse 25, we see the warning. It says, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, talking about Moses, much less will they escape if they reject him who warns from heaven. Today, Jesus is saying that he's the way, the truth, and the life from the scriptures. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God but through him. God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were still sinners, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die. He's speaking from the scriptures. And you guys went through this because you've been going through Hebrews. He's speaking from the scriptures saying, harden not your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. But if you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, turn from your sin. Put your trust in Christ. Brothers and sisters, if you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, repent afresh and turn to Jesus. Turn back to him. Ask him to constantly work in your heart and in your life. Hear the warning. Hear the warning. Do not refuse the one who is speaking. Do not refuse the Christ who is speaking. Verse 26 it says, at that time, 
His voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Let me keep reading. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. And here's the exhortation. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and with awe. Between the warning in verse 25 and the exhortation in verse 28, we see motivation in the middle. And I love the motivation. The motivation is that we have a promise. We have a promise. For those who are in Jesus, we have a promise that we stand with a Christ or we're in a Christ who is unshakable. There's so many things that are going to be shaken. Um, Judgment's going to come upon this earth. No ifs, ands, or buts. So many things that we see standing will all crumble But there's one thing that will not crumble, and that's God's kingdom. There's one thing that will not crumble, and that's God's children. We must put our trust in him. And as we walk together as sojourns, (laughs) as we are pilgrims walking this earth, marching towards our heavenly home, knowing that this is not our home, May we worship our king with reverence and with awe. May we worship our king with reverence and with awe. He's still the same holy God that we read about in Exodus. He's still that holy God, but the difference is now that we are his children, we can approach this holy God and he doesn't pour out judgment upon us, he pours out mercy. He doesn't give us condemnation. He gives us grace. Where many of us would approach him outside of Christ like the Israelites did and they would die because of Christ, now we can approach him and he gives life. This is beautiful. This is wonderful. This is God's word. So brothers and sisters, As I close, I just want us to think about the marvelous grace that the Lord has poured out upon us. We don't come to a mountain of judgment, but we come to a mountain of grace, which is Jesus. And he pours out grace upon us, grace to live holy, grace to be transformed As it says in God's word, the grace of God has been revealed to bring salvation, but also to train us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a life that is upright in this present life. Let's do so with awe, with wonder, knowing that our God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. For the believer, that's a wonderful thing because he's going to continue to refine us into we are pure gold. For the unbeliever, that's a terrifying thing. And I want to plead with you to not 
be on the side of judgment, but to be on the side of mercy and grace that's extended through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Hmm. Father God, I want to thank you for the privilege to be able to share your word with the saints here at Sojourn. Father, I pray that we would constantly examine our hearts. As Pastor Justin preached last week, there is a holiness that we must have that apart from that holiness, we will not see God. And that holiness can only come from Jesus Christ. That perfect righteousness can only come from your son. That justification of us being declared legally righteous can only come from Christ Jesus. Father, as Christians, when we are saved, we don't coast. But we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But we know that it's to you who wills and works through us. We praise you, God, that it's by your grace that you work in our lives and praise you for the promise that if you began a good work in us, surely you will bring it to completion. Oh, Father, help us to look to you. Help us to not get caught up in the law. The law can't save. The law can't transform. Help us to swim in your grace. Help us to swim in your grace. Help us to stand on the promises found in Christ. Father, I pray that you would take these words and do far more abundantly than anything that we can ask or think according to your power at work within us. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.